Hey, happy non-2020. It's Kathy Aru, known as the Liberal Sherpa. And uh, today I have a very, um, it's specific. This, the topic of the podcast is so specific. It's, um, it's like a New Year's resolution, really, podcast. Um, I might do maybe a, a few of those because uh, uh, we all set our New Year's resolutions. Uh, uh, we've done them, you know, for years, for January. And so many people, I know uh, one of my New Year's resolutions has always been to uh, write a second book. And I, I finally did it, believe it or not, um, just a few months ago. So I, I, I beat it before January. But uh, along the way, people usually ask how to get published, how to self-publish, how to uh, get an agent. And I'm really, I'm a magazine gal and I've published a book, but it's not, I just don't know the ins and outs of the whole book world. So I went to my go-to author who is a New York Times bestselling author, a USA Today bestselling author. She's written um, dozens of books um, and they've been from, I've read her vampire books. Uh, she's read Harlequin, she's written Harlequin um, novels. Um, she's written... Uh, romance novels. She's written like different genres of books. So it's, it's fascinating. So if you're interested in writing fiction, nonfiction, uh, if you're interested in self-publishing, if you're interested in getting an agent, if you're interested in not getting an agent, this is the podcast for you. It's truly specific. If you want to write a book, this is the podcast for you. This is uh, for those with this New Year's resolution. And if you weren't thinking of this New Year's resolution, then maybe, I don't know, maybe the podcast will pump you up and you'll have a book done by the end of the podcast. Okay, it's Care Dad Pinero. Uh, you can look her up. We'll tell you all about her. Um, and uh, okay, I hope you like it. It's very specific. I hope you like it. It should be specific. I hope it is. All right, she should call any minute now. Do, 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 do. Oh my gosh, it is Caridad. I'm so excited. One of my favorite authors. Caridad. Hola, Kathy. Como estas? Como estas? How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. So, um, I'm sorry, what were you saying earlier that I'm sounding super Cuban? You are sounding very Cuban, mi amiga. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I still have the jersey, um, you know, sandwiches. Uh, you know, the, the A's, I have a problem with the A's and, but yeah, the guanichi is all out. I, it totally is. It totally is. You've lost all the, the New York, New Jersey accent there. Can you believe it? All it took was a year. And, um, these Cubans, they're so influential. They are. They are. It's, uh, that's why I always used to take my uh, daughter down to uh, South Beach in Miami to get her fill of La Cubanidad, you know? Ay, pobrecita. So, <laughs> so, she, so did she learn, um, did she learn Spanish? Did, was she, Not at all, but no. she taught herself <laughs> Korean, which is a very funny story, but, uh, oh, cause she, loves she, can under, she can understand it, but, um, her Spanish is very limited. But she loves like um, the Korean pop music, right? The pop. She does. She's been doing uh, well before uh, the pandemic. She's uh, was doing photojournalism and uh, had press passes for a number of the K-pop uh, events and would cover them and do reviews of albums and dramas. And uh, she's actually written a book uh, teaching people how to. Uh, learn Korean, both the Hangul and the words, um, the uh, story that she's writing. So uh, she knows that she didn't fall far from the writing tree. No, I was about to say, my God, it's her second book, right? And she's like 10. 
It is her second book, yeah. Her first book now has come out quite a number of years ago, um, and now she's working on this one and doing a number of uh, other writing gigs. Wow. So her second, is it fiction? It is fiction. It is kind of a romance. Uh, It reads like a a K-pop drama um, because it it is for people who enjoy, you know, the dramas and and, and obviously... um, that kind of, I forget there's a word for it, but, you know, all the K uh, things, the Korean uh, food and everything else. And she's having a blast writing it and, uh, you know, getting noticed and doing some other things. In fact, she appeared in Forbes magazine. What? Uh, um, She did. They were covering this whole explosion of everything Korean, and they had asked her to comment on it. So it was very exciting. Oh, my gosh. I I didn't know. Now now I'm jealous of her, and I hate her, and... You know, that's how women are, like, immediately when we find out, you know, someone's doing well, I have to be like, no way. Yeah, well, you can check out her website at koreanfromcontext.com if you want to just pick up some very simple Korean uh, words and and find out more about their culture, which she's really into, in addition, obviously, to uh, her Cuban culture, because she still wants to hold on to that as well as her Italian culture, so she's a real mix there. Oh, my God. Well, I I follow her um, on the gram, So, so I see on Instagram she's got a lot of the Korean stuff going on there. So that's, you know, and I might follow her one other place. So I knew she was up to something in that area, but I I wasn't, um, I didn't go to her website. So I probably should go to her website because I didn't realize. Um, That's amazing. I only know Onyo Haseo. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know Kamsamida. Wow, that's even better than Onyo Haseo. Thank you. And and Sarangye. Sarangye, which means I love you. Oh, this is sweet. Oh, I learned so, Dutch, and um, to say I love you is ik houd van jou. It rolls right off the tongue, not. <laughs> it, right. So on Valentine's Day, every card in Holland says I love you. And uh, I've, I've, I asked them, I said, well, why don't you just say it in Dutch? And they're like, listen to us. Ik houd van jou. So they're very aware that, uh, yeah, it's not very loving to say I love yeah. you in Dutch. But, um, okay, so typical Cubans, we didn't even, we didn't even introduce ourselves. No, we didn't. <laughs> We're like, you know, okay, so you're um, Caridad. Caridad uh, Piñero. Piñero, and one of my favorite authors, and, I, and I've got to be honest, I just love your vampire, the calling, the, you know, the calling books. Thank so, you. The, that's just, I, I devour those. I just devour, I love those. And um, and I, I think I've compared you to like James Patterson. You've got that same style. You're, well, thank you. Oh yeah, you're not you're not definitely not a Steinbeck. I mean, you're not describing a rose in twelve pages. You know, one one petal of a rose. You really just keep it going, keep it fun, and then bam, those you know romantic moments, and it's like, and then I, I then I feel weird knowing you. I can't. I, I, I totally get that. My daughter cringes every time we go somewhere and I have to do a book reading because she's just ready for one of those scenes, but I, I do try to avoid them in public. Oh my God, but you've done them in public? I, you know what? My very first radio interview, out of the clear blue, the, the person looks at me and says, oh, by the way, your editor says you write some very hot scenes. You do. Uh, when we come back, I'd like for you to read one of those for us. And I'm like, what? 
we're not allowed to say those words on radio, are we? Yeah, and 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 yeah, but you 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 don't have dirty words. I mean, you describe it. It's all about it's very romantic. It's very it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, and that's a big thing for me because um, you know I want the characters, especially the female characters, to be very strong. They are, um, which I always try to do in every kind of book that I write. But I do want them to um, you know have those romantic and tender moments um, with whoever happens to be their guy, even if it's a vampire. In some of my other books that you love so much, oh, I um, love them. but. Yeah, but it's just it's just been a wild ride. I can't believe it's been over twenty years since my first book came out. What? Um, yeah, when you yeah, nineteen ninety nine. So you were three um, years old and got discovered. I did. I was just a baby. I was just a toddler, um, even. <laughs> and um, you know, and it's it's been a tough ch- change with you know the advent of self publishing. Um, there's been a lot of changes in the industry, and. Um, you know, somehow I managed to keep on paddling my feet and say, keeping my head above water. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of exciting projects coming up, and um, you know, I, hope, I hope to keep on going. And, you know, and introducing people to characters, you know, who are diverse, who are Latinos, uh, not all the time, because obviously yeah. I do write books that don't have Latinos. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I've been very committed to that from the beginning, because I think the more that we understand each other, um, the more that we can get along. Yeah, no, you always have a mix. I remember that. All the characters are always different. So, okay, so the the thing is, which um, a lot of people, you know, as, as a writer, a lot of people want to know with with me it's like how do you get a magazine how do you pitch like people magazine how do you pitch a magazine how do you get in so i i know that uh i wrote i wrote one book i i just finished my second one and um it the process is so hard oh my god it's it's so difficult for me um but then when it's done it's it's i'm i'm the queen of the world you know i'm so proud but i do nonfiction. And I've always done nonfiction. I tried to be you, I think, for a week, and I wrote six pages. And everyone right. laughed at me uh, with the love scene, and it was an embarrassment, and uh, I threw it away. But how, okay, so how does, oh, I didn't introduce you again. Caridad, like, we didn't do it again. Okay, you, Caridad Piñero, uh, you have written how many books? Well over 50. Um, between novellas and uh, and everything else, I might, I'm at least fifty books and novellas, um, maybe more. Um, so yeah, I've been busy. Um, you know, I usually have New York Times two. best-selling author. Wait, Thank you, you. You usually have two. What? What were you saying? I I was gonna say. I mean, I usually, you know, depending on what it is, have two two new books a year. Um. You know, sometimes it turns out to be more because when you're traditionally published, you know, you're you're really relying on your publishers to set the schedule. And sometimes books get moved up, sometimes they get pushed back and and they end up all coming out, you know, in in a year instead of over two years or something like that. And and now with the advent of self-publishing, you know, I have books that I've gotten the rights back to, like the vampire books that, you know, I'm trying to re-release um every three months or so so that readers have something they can either revisit or in case they've never read me before, they have something new to, to, to look at. So, you know, it's an exciting process. Um, 
and even now, you know, I'm working on finishing up two other stories and thinking about some new stories to pitch to my agent, who in turn will pitch it to an editor, um, hopefully at one of the houses. Well, okay, you got to talk. You're talking lingo to me, which I I, I get, I understand, but um, so, so you know, like Random House and Simon Schuster and all those guys, right? Are the houses right, and, right? And actually, now you know, there's less and less in them. When I first started writing, um, you know, there were about ten or eleven um, different publishing houses, um, and you know, we eventually we used to call them the Big Six. Um, which is, you know, pretty much all the New York publishing houses. Right. And then little by little, they've kind of been eaten up by other houses. So, for example, um, Harlequin, who was an independent publisher for a long time, got bought by HarperCollins. Um, St. Martin's um, is all owned by Holtzbrink, who actually owns Tor and a number of other um, houses, it, you know, they do do them like imprints, and Simon and Schuster just has a whole bunch of them, and in fact, they just got bought by, I think, Bertelsmann. So, you know, there's really, in the last 20 years, been a huge consolidation in the publishing industry, where now it's maybe the big four um, publishing houses in New York um, with all their little divisions. And then, of course, there are still a number of independent publishing houses, um, like Kensington Publishing is one in source books who's actually um the nation's largest woman-owned um house um which is very exciting to be part of them as well because they do um make strides to um include diverse characters just like hallmark um which you know started off as the movies but now they're also a publishing house and i'll, I'll have a book from them later in the year oh um, which i'm very excited about Wait, okay, okay, so so Hallmark was just on TV, and now they decided they're going to publish books. So, right. So it isn't that uh, in, in an age of uh, YouTube and streaming and Netflix and blah, 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 and Hulu and all this stuff, you're telling me that Hallmark went from TV to books. They've, they've gone back to the old reliable they did because um, they had such massive success with their channel and the assorted movies that everybody just absolutely loved um, that originally what they were doing was hiring um, authors to translate those those screenplays, those movies, into books. Oh. Um, and then th there just was not enough of them. The demand was so huge that they realized, wait, you know, we need content. And so um, they started a publishing house and obviously went out and um, asked for submissions, um, got people who pitched books to them, um, and then they would decide which ones they would take. Um, and out of those now, um, in addition to probably having still original movie content, they then also will consider um, some of those books um, for possible um, conversion into uh, a movie or a motion picture that will be shown on television. Um, so that's exciting as well. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that one day one of my books and maybe the Hallmark one will be the first. Oh, my God. Um, 
gets converted into um, something that appears on television, although I did have the excitement of last year, was it? Or maybe could have been the year before because this year has been kind of a blur, as I can imagine it has been for many people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I ghost wrote the book for the Jane the, the Virgin television show, which was really quite a blast. Ghost, ghost wrote? So you didn't put your name on it? Right, okay. right. Okay. And then... Why? So they just put out the book and they don't have an author? Yeah, what, well, Jane was the author. What happened was one of the um, subplots in the Jane the Virgin television show with that was that she was a budding writer and in particular a budding romance writer. And so on or about, I guess, the fourth or fifth season, they said, well, why don't we have Jane actually publish a book? Um, and they got together with an imprint from Simon and Schuster, and they decided that they were going to write a book um, that that was done by Jane. Um, and I think her real name is on the show is Jane Gloriana Villanueva or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and so they decided to get together and have an author produce a book that would have been something that Jane would have written. And then they did, had a whole kind of plot through um, that one season where Jane got the news that she was going to be published. She has a, you know, a big party to celebrate, um, you know, the whole thing. And then in conjunction with that, they actually released a book by her. And it was, it's called Falling Snow. Um, I'm sorry, Snow Falling, which... Um, mimics, um, you know, what was happening in the storyline for the television show. And it was just a blast to work with the editors and the, and the showrunners for, the, wow. for, the, for the, the television show to produce this, this novel for, for people to read. And you did it. You're, you're, you're Jane. You it was are fun. Jane. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm Jane for, wow. for that. And um, like I said, it was very, very exciting. And it was just um, a great thing. They even said my name on the show, which was a real like, wow. No. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was awesome. Um, so it was a very exciting thing uh, to be involved stopped. with that. I would have been like, look around at my family and I'd be like, yeah, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. It's, it's I, I've accomplished everything. There's nothing left to prove. Yeah. Well, you know, you got a lot of bucket lists, you know, as individuals on a personal level, on a professional level, you know, obviously you want to make a list like the New York Times at some point. And when you do that, it's like, wow. And then you ask yourself, well, what else, you know, and at each little hurdle, you know, it, it becomes more and more exciting that you've accomplished something. And I think for any writer, um, whether it's your first book or your 50th, just typing those words the end you know just getting to the end yeah. is is an accomplishment um because it is a difficult thing to um get an idea in your head and and formulate it and create the characters and actually you know put it down on on paper although we say that but i mean you know in the computer um and create a story that someone you know might want to to buy and read and and, and get something out of it and I think that's another exciting thing. While being having your name on television is awesome, what's just as awesome is getting that letter from someone that says that your book touched them in a certain way, or if they were feeling down, your book made them smile, or if yeah. you know whatever was happening in your lives, that your book made a difference, even if it was only for that hour or two that that they were reading, um, and that's just as amazing, you know, as something like what happened with the Jane book. 
Yeah, I, I actually, uh, with my first book, I think it was 2006 it came out. Uh, I've actually recently uh, ruined someone's life. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, apparently they got a little bit too motivated. So they, they quit the comfortable job. And, you know, the whole book was about getting out of the comfort zone and yeah. going for it. So I've apparently ruined, uh, his name is Mike, and he's in Alaska. And it sounds like I've ruined his life. He's very tired. And he shows pictures of that book, and he doesn't leave home without it. And uh, it's Latino wisdom. Uh, he's, I don't think there's a tenth of him that's Latino. But it spoke to him, and he said he went for the job. He went for the promotion, and he got it. And Wonderful. he's working harder than ever, and he has to go back to the book just to remind him why he's doing it. Right. But I feel guilt. I, I really no, I don't, I th- I don't feel it's good fabulous. about it. I've, I've ruined the man's life. It's, yeah, I think it's fabulous. You know, I wrote a book ages ago, and I haven't re-released it. It was called Feliz Navidad. And it obviously was a book set around the Christmas season. And, mm. you know, it showed the whole Cuban Noche Buena, you know, where you sit down with yeah. all your family and you have a lechong and, you know, everything yeah. else. And um, it, it, the amazing thing was the responses that I got from people saying, oh, you know, I'm Jewish, but that reminded me of my family Hanukkahs and I haven't done one in a while and now I'm going to do it or I'm Polish or I'm this or I'm that. Yeah. So it was the emotion during the meal that, you know, and the, the feeling of family that really communicated itself to multiple people in, 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 in different, you know, ethnicities and nationalities. And I thought, okay, you know, that's great because it gets people thinking and it gets people reacting in a positive way. So, um, you know, that's the beauty of, of being a writer. I mean, sure, you could also get them reacting in a negative way, let's face it, as you did. Well, no, he's, uh, no. <laughs> he's happy. He's thrilled that I've ruined his life, but well, there you go. <laughs> I, I feel guilty each night that I go to bed that I've done this to this poor man. Um, I think he's getting less sleep than ever, but he's more motivated than ever. And, um, it, you know, it's just like, go for it. Just go for it. And yeah. um, I'm not there to counsel him or hold his hand. So he's just, that book is, that's it. That's his guide. But but uh, I but I just did one. I just did my one, and um, and then I didn't know how to write. I don't do fiction. I don't. I tried. I can't do it like you. I just um, I rather read your fiction. I rather read it than do it. It, it really yeah. it made me cry. You know, like I, I oh, sat. Thank you. Have you gone? Yeah, it, it's your writing is so. God, it's just so, and it's it's easy. It's flowing. It's it's so much fun, and it's like a guilty pleasure. Like you almost don't want to be caught reading your stuff because it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, this is too, this is too much fun. And, uh, so, so I don't know how you, okay. So people have asked, um, when I, when I say I'm a, I'm a writer, you know, I've been writing since college. People have asked, how do I, you know, how do I get my book? I have a book idea. How do I get it to a publisher? So can you just simply, I, there's no simple way for me. I always say my friend Caridad, she knows it inside out. She can tell you the difference between self-publishing and uh, the difference between going to a big house and um, having an agent. I think you've always had an agent. I don't think you've ever not had an agent. Uh, actually, you know what? I sold like my first nine books without an agent. Nine. Without without one, yeah. You just said nine. Um, so, yeah, you don't need an agent. It all depends. I mean, 
the hard part is is that when it comes to the big five um new york publishers oftentimes they won't look at anything unless you have an agent um and so you know that can be problematic if you think that your book is a good fit for one of them um and in that case then what you need to do is obviously um find out which agent would be good for what you're doing um one of the ways there is to um look at other published books that are like the ones you think you want to sell to a New York house. Um, and, and look at the books, look at the acknowledgements. I mean, sometimes you'll see right there that the author has credited their agent. Everybody. Oh yeah. Their dog, yeah. their, their mom, their, their mother-in-law, everybody's in yeah, there. Yeah. Their publicity house, you name it. So that, that's an easy way of, of finding out who somebody's agent is. Um, there's a place called publishers marketplace, where um, it's possible to um, actually they have a free service called Publishers Lunch where what? they normally um, give you a list of deals that have been made. Not all of them. You, Wait, you have to pay for the full version. Um, but you can sign up for that daily newsletter and it'll say, you know, Agent So-and-So sold this contemporary novel to Publishing House X. Um, and so you can watch that and see who's making the the deals or you know you can obviously pay it it's a nominal cost i think so um, again i just took out yeah. my pen and um and paper so which I, it's it's I, publishers marketplace um okay I, I think that's the website but their free version is called publishers lunch publishers lunch okay and you right. even you a new york times best-selling author with 50 books you still are on top of this you still go to their site I do. I still check because, you know, you always have to stay abreast um, of who's doing what. Um, you know, and the other thing is obviously to network. I always tell people no matter what stage of your career you're in, network is one of the most important things to do. It's how you get asked by other authors to work with them. It's how you could ask other authors um, what's working for them, what's not, who their agent is. Um, I got my current agent through a dear, dear friend. Um, who basically kicked me in the butt because I was wallowing in my self pity because As my career do. had yeah no my career had kind of flatlined really um, yeah and it happens I mean this is a roller coaster ride this is not a, a career for the yeah. faint of heart at all um, you know she kicked my butt and she got me uh, while we were at a conference together because we always made a point of seeing each other and. Um, you know what happened was we talked. Is that Lana? Next... Is that uh, or Julia? Is that Julia? No, no, Julia is a dear friend. No, um, this is my friend Anna uh, okay. De Stefano. Um, okay. She writes wonderful books, um, and you know, you know, your friends are the ones who keep you going. They really yeah. are, and you know, she introduced me to my current agent, who I absolutely adore. Um, and who has done wonderful, wonderful things for me um, with her guidance on my career and her suggestions on what I'm writing. Um, and that's something else you have to decide is what kind of agent do you want? Um, not all agents like to read and make suggestions. Um, and you really do need someone who is um, going to help you map out your career or what you're doing um, because it is a complicated business. Explain the business because that's um, because so I know you, you speak to crowds, you do the readings. So when I go and I speak, I mean, this is not my for this is not my forte. I always actually mention you. 
I always say, you know, here's my phone number. Remind me to text Caridad for you. What was the question again? And that's why you always hear from me when I'm like, Caridad, they have a question again. Because um, people want to know, do they self-publish? How do they find the agent? Where do they turn to? And uh, I, I publish magazines. I do magazine articles and those kind of things. But the book world, like you said, is its own um, it's it's really its own world. It's... It is, and it, and it changes so rapidly um, because now, you know, obviously you could do the traditional route where you reach out to either an independent or a New York City publisher uh, to submit your work, and you do that either with or without an agent depending on whether they'll accept it. One way to, to have the New York publishers and independents look at your work without an agent is to go to conferences where you can pitch to to them where you know you could sit down right. and, and tell them about your book and you know interact with them um i ended up selling that vampire series that you love so much yeah. to harlequin no. um by going to a conference and sitting down and, and talking to one of their editors who asked me to send it in um and i've done that on on various occasions um but again you know now i do have an agent and um and we do talk about what we're doing and, and what we're submitting and everything um there is a world of self-publishing out there that didn't exist 20 years ago and you know in its heyday and i want to say heyday because at one point there were a lot of things you could do um to become a self-publishing millionaire but that's changed for a variety of reasons um, and I think one of the hard things about self-publishing is, is that you really have to not only um, have your craft down well and produce a quality product, but you have to decide what, how you're going to run your business. Um, because you're going to have to get a cover designer, you're going to have to get an editor, um, you're going to have to do the marketing, and, and the marketing is something that you have to do regardless of whether you're published by... Um, you know, in a, a traditional, traditional or independent or... publisher. Um, but obviously, you're going to have to have all those ducks in a row when you're doing self-publishing. And in addition to that, um, you're going to have to also be working on your next book um, because I think it's very difficult. You have one book out and then there's nothing else. So somebody reads your first book and then they're left wanting because there's no second book or third book. Yeah, and and so on, um, and that can really just kill you right off the bat well, of that's, developing. That's me. You define my yeah. You just define my career in a second. Yeah. There. yeah. Well, no. yeah, because yeah, you only have the one, and then they're like, well, what else? And then if it's six months go by or years goes by, then it's kind of like, who was that? What was their name? Because they've already forgotten because they've already read 10, 15 books, especially in the romance genre, because romance readers read prolifically. Um, so you have to think about that if you're self-publishing is what do you have? When is your next thing going to be out? Um, and really set down a business plan um, to work. Now, there's also something that people are calling hybrid publishing. Okay, I'm writing which, this down. Hybrid? Okay. Yeah, it, it's really, you know, when you hear somebody say they're a hybrid author, it, it gets confusing because a lot of us say we're hybrid authors because we're self-publishing in addition to having books being released by traditional publishing houses. Right, um, okay. But there's another thing called hybrid publishing and there are quite a number of them out there and i and, and i'm a little iffy about them because basically you give them a book and you pay them 
to do the editing and to oh. do the formatting of the book for ebook and for print book and to do the cover design. Um, and some of them could be quite expensive. I mean, there are some they charge you $7,500 for those initial steps. And then if you want more detailed editing, developmental editing, and all kinds of other things, it just, it's a ka-ching and a ka-ching and the money just keeps on adding up. And, you know, I've, I've, not only heard horror stories, I've had people tell me, you know, I, I spent $15,000 to publish this book. Oh, my gosh. Right. And I'm like, well, how? what are you selling it for? And they're like $15. And I'm like, that's a really tough sell. You've got to yeah. know the market. You've got to know what the price points are. And $15 for most fiction, you know, is a difficult price point. What are the price um, points then? Okay, so when I go to um, CVS, uh, I see there's a stand there. I always look for you because uh, I, I, I have found you there before. So that, that needless to say, I always look for you. So uh, your book is sitting there and it's like a, what, it's like a $4.99, $6.99 type thing, paperback? Um, yeah, they've gone up in price a little. I think the, the paperbacks, you know, like, I think the Harlequins are like five ninety nine, Um, and then my longer books are generally six ninety nine, seven ninety nine. Um, trade paperbacks could range anywhere from 12 or thirteen ninety nine to 16 or 17. What's trade? What um, does that mean? What's trade? Trade paperbacks are, um, a book that's like a hardcover size, but it doesn't have a hard co cover. It has a soft oh, cover. Oh, um, okay. And they're, they're actually selling quite well right now because hardcover books and trade paperback books are books that people will give to people. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, when you talk about your smaller mass market books, um, you know, those are your typical, what do you call them? Uh, five by eight, five by nine, you know, the smaller yeah. uh, paperback size, they're not typically a gift item. Um, so, you know, we, you know, it, it all depends. Your, your publisher, if you're traditionally published, is the one who will decide, um, you know, whether you'll be in what we call mass market, which is paperback or trade paperback um, or hardcover. And, and it's really unusual for your average writer to be in hardcover that that's really somebody who's already been selling you know a lot a lot of books really um, in, in a print run so okay so hardcover is not like uh it, it not everyone it, it, it's not first hardcover and then goes to, to soft cover it, it's pretty much you're gonna yeah. go uh to the soft cover Right. For most writers, you know, okay. they'll start off in either trade paperback or mass market. It, it would be unusual for them to go into hardcover right away. Okay. So what? Um. So what are the steps? Because I've given people before. I've given them the proposal of what it should look like. Uh. It like you know, um, title, marketing, bio, why you comparisons. Yeah, that's it's very different from that's a nonfiction proposal, which yeah. is very different from um, a fiction proposal. Really? Yeah, because usually for a fiction proposal, what if you haven't been published before? If you don't have a lot of publishing creds for short stories and things like that, yeah, um, you usually have to have the entire book um, and a synopsis. 
uh, usually about six or seven page synopsis. And, you know, that's what you'll um, give to an editor or an agent once they ask for it. Um, if, if you've been published um, and people know you, then you can sometimes get away with just a synopsis or with a synopsis and the first three chapters of the book. Um, and then that's what you would send off to try to um, sell your, your work to your publisher. Um, so it, it's different than nonfiction because you're not really comparing yourself and to giving the target market or anything like that. Um, you know, when you write the book, especially if we're talking commercial fiction, you would have decided, oh, it's a mystery or it's science fiction or it's a romance. What's commercial it's... fiction? What's commercial fiction is genre fiction. Anything where you can say, you know, it has, it's, it's a mystery, it's a romance, it's, you know, cozy mystery, it's romantic suspense, whereas literary is really where it doesn't fit into any of those set, you know, definitions. Um, Oh my gosh! Yes, and literary fiction again is its own, it's its own creature. Um, you know, you have to find somebody who who does literary fiction. I mean, all the big houses have literary fiction imprints. You have, but then you also would have university presses and other people who um, who take books that don't fit into. I don't want to call them pigeonholes, but don't fit into categories that are easily defined. Um, like romance or suspense or thrillers. You know, everybody, if you say to somebody, oh, that's a thriller, right. they probably have a pretty good concept of what that is. Or if you say to them, it's a mystery, yeah. um, which is very different from literary fiction because in general, you can't say, oh, it's it's this. Okay, so 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 then I only know, so I know the nonfiction world, and I don't, so your world is you write the whole book you are so uh, yeah. confident in yourself that you would write the whole book and then a synopsis and turn it over to your agent? Yeah, when, when I first started, I had to write the entire book and, and turn it in. Oh um, and then, you know, as the editors got to know me and everything, it, it became a situation where I would just write, um, a, you know, I would write a synopsis and three chapters usually, um, and then depending if it was an editor that I worked with a lot, I would just write a synopsis because they knew my writing already and they knew I could finish a book. Right. Um, you know, the funny thing, it was that, um, you know, I, I've written in, in a number of different genres. And so it was not unusual at one point when, you know, I went from writing what we call contemporary romance that I went to writing vampire stories that they were like, okay, but do we know if you can write a vampire story? And then once they knew I did, and then I did contemporaries again, and they were like, well, how do we know you can write a contemporary? And I'm like, because I wrote nine of them. And and so I, I, I literally had to write the whole book that one time. But I think now, you know, because I do have um, so months. many books published in, in different genres, um, you know, I, I generally can just do um, a synopsis and... Really? And the three chapters. But from a career path, I will say that what I did and continue to do is not necessarily a good thing because, what? you know, people do get used to you being someone who writes contemporary romance or so somebody who writes, you know, gritty vampire novels or, you know, 
pulse pounding suspense. Um, and so like when you change it up and you do something different, they're like, whoa, what, what was that? What did she just do? Oh. <laughs> and, and, and it's hard. Not everybody will follow you one way or the other. And why would you have um, done that anyway as a writer? Why would you have done that? Well, if you're going to have a career in commercial fiction, it really is best, I think, and and I and I think and other agents and people and would echo that is that you know choose a genre that you love to write and that you understand and stay with it for a few books. Establish your name, establish that readership before you start bouncing around to try all different things. Um, and why do you bounce around? Well, you know, you want to spread your wings as a writer you want to you do want to try different things but if you're going to sustain a career you really need to at least build that initial fan base by being consistent in what you're doing um and then you know you can kind of branch out whether you do it under your own name or whether you use a pseudonym um i mean even stephen king for many years wrote under you know, I think it was Richard Bach because what he was doing under that name was very different from what he was doing um, as Stephen King. And likewise, Nora Roberts, you know, uh, people were used to her contemporary um, romances and that style. And when she decided to um, do something grittier that was kind of a, a futuristic police procedural, she used the, the J.D. Robb pseudonym because it was so different from her other work so even really well-known authors will will do that um to maintain consistency for their readership so so would you say now the book industry would you say um you know it's changed it's consolidated it's less it's there's less out there but now in the age of um you know the, the, the Twitter and all this stuff, you know, um, what these kids are doing today. Would you say that still books are just as popular as ever? Uh, you know, surprisingly, um, you know, the numbers have been staying relatively consistent. Um, I think there has been some decline. Um, but I think it, what's interesting is that young readers actually like to read in print, yeah, not digitally. For them, it's a big thing to have that yeah. hardcover book or that trade paperback book. Um, it's something that they share. It's something that other um, kids see. Um, and I think that, you know, really we have to be thankful to um, a number of writers, um, whether you like the books or not. You know, the Twilight books, obviously, J.K. Rowling um, with Harry Potter and others right. who have had these mega hits um especially for younger readers and have created a whole new um group of of readers um that maybe you know would have fallen off and not been doing that if not for the popularity of harry potter or twilight um you know those definitely in the hunger games those books definitely oh, reached so good though uh, yeah, they reached they were good books that reached a younger audience and now that younger audience, you know, has moved from being, you know, tweens to yeah. teens to young adults who are reading. Right. So I think that, um, you know, it has been maintaining um, some consistency, um, you know, and, you know, obviously ebooks have also helped 
older readers because, you know, they can adjust the size of the print um, on e-devices and things that you couldn't do. Um, you know, although there are large print books, sometimes they're not that readily available in um, library systems or in stores. Um, but e-readers have taken away that problem because now you can make it as large as you need to. My God, you know every aspect. Care Dad, you just know every aspect of this industry. Well, thank you. I try to keep up. It's difficult. <laughs> no, it's like, uh, you know, I don't think you know what you know. It's it's so interesting. Like, uh, it's a, you just know what you know. It's, it's great, actually. I love it because um, you know your stuff. So, um, I give it, I, I gave up giving, you know, writing notes. I'm just going to ask you later on a text, like, what was that again? So, okay. oh, no, but okay. So, so it's important to tell, explain why, because people rarely believe me or want to believe me. And they get very frustrated with me when I say some houses won't talk to you unless you have an agent. And they get really upset with me because it's almost like they feel it's an insult. And this is usually someone going for their first book. They want to know the advice of writing the first book. But I suggest usually find the agent first and then and then go to the houses. They, they may not want to hear from you directly first if you're a new writer. Is that... Still no, that's true. There, there are a couple of houses, and depending on what you're writing, that again, we'll, we'll look at um, an agent at material. Harlequin is one. I believe Kensington is still another. And again, if you're going to conferences where you can take what are known as pitch sessions, where you sit down with editors um, if they request the work, that's one way you can get past we used to call it going over the transom, um, you know, getting through, the, getting your foot in the door right. to have them look at your book. Um, but, you know, that that's just the way that the industry works. And basically, and even more so now, because with uh, e-books and with changes in the industry, you know, editors are really hard pressed. They're working really hard to not only get through new materials that are sent to them by agents or by individuals who who have, you know, done what I've just suggested. Um, but there also have more and more authors that they have to edit and, mm -hmm. and review. And so their time is precious. And so when you go through an agent, it's like a gatekeeper. That editor says, well, this agent, well, she's got a name. She's got a reputation. She isn't, she's going to send me something that I'm going to at least not you know, be able to look at, and it's going to be a professional product, and it's going to be well done. Um, and that's why, I mean, the editors are really overworked now for a lot of reasons. Um, and so having an agent, number one, helps you get past the gate, and that agent is putting their reputation on the line by saying, I think this is a product that you're going to want to look at. Um, but also, an agent um, can tell you, um, this needs work. Um, I think you need to do these things before we're ready to go out with it. Um, and the other thing is, you know, the agent's following the business. And they're, they're talking to people. They're talking to other agents. They're talking to editors. They're schmoozing. Yeah. So they know who's looking for what. And so that's wonderful because you may have something yeah. and they know, oh, so-and-so at this house, they're looking for just this project. Um, and so that helps you as well um then on the other end um once you have sold a project if there's any issues if 
the agent needs to go to bat for you, it's good to have the agent being the one who's kind of saying, hey, how come it's taking you so long? Or how come we're not getting this? Or, you know, she really didn't like that cover. Is there any changes you can make? Um, You know, so that you're not the one who's having that discussion with your editor because you want to have an easygoing discussion all the time with your editor. And so the agent does, um, I don't want to call it the dirty work, but, you know, the difficult part of the, of the relationship. So it, 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 it sounds like a really tough job to be an agent because you have to, I'm, I'm a really slow reader, but I like it because I, you know, I devour every word. I love it. I enjoy it. I take my time. And I was an English lit major and, and I'm a slow reader but an agent has to be fast then, right? They, um, they, they got to read all these proposals quickly. They yeah? do. They have to read through a lot of proposals oftentimes to um, decide whether or not um, they can represent someone, if they love the project enough, if they think that, you know, um, it's something that they can do, um, not just for now, but, uh, you know, that this is an author who they can help build a career and keep their eye out for things that are going to be good for that author. Um, I, like I said, the experience I've had with my current agent has just been absolutely fabulous. And as you know, I've recommended her, um, to other people just because I've had such a positive experience. Um, And and she's really, um, you know, she gives me insights on what I'm writing and maybe some changes that need to be made um, and also makes suggestions about, okay, now we're finishing these projects, but what else are we going to be working on? You know, what what makes sense for you to do next? Um, Which is where I am right now, trying to think of another storyline for for something for the future um so yeah so it it is a business where you're always working but maybe sometimes working at different things you know you're working on a new project you're working on other projects that are already finished and need revisions you're working about what am i going to market how am i going to market um so it's just a whole mix of things that you're always thinking about well i'm like the worst author ever I, I wrote that one and I dropped the mic and walked away and, you know, thought I was done. I didn't realize, you know, I, I had to keep going with this stuff. I, I, I do have the second book out, so I'm catching up to you. I've got 48 more to go. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to get there uh, in 100 years. So uh, what do you tell then, because um, people listening to this, um, I know one, they, they, have, they have book ideas they they've been fiddling around with book ideas where do they find the agent that you're saying go to the front of the book and look for the like oh thank you to my publicist blah blah thank you to so go to the front of the book that's similar yeah, to they yours can go to the front of the book they can um go again if they want to publisher's lunch which is the free version they'd like to do a more in-depth search they can pay for a subscription and again i don't think it's all that much um and search um the database they have there of deals that have been made which will give you the agent names and the editor names as well um if they want to submit directly uh, i believe that um Definitely Harlequin, possibly also Kensington, have the editor's names right online. Um, and how and it tells you how to submit and what they need for you to look at. Um, there's also um, 
Guide to the, I think it's called Guide to the Literary Marketplace and Writer's Digest also has uh, books. You can go to the reference section of the library um, and look for the books where they'll actually list all the agents um, and it'll give you a little rundown of how to write to them and what kinds of things they represent. Um, you know, whether they do mysteries, romance, whatever it is that they do. Um, so there are things that you, you know, that you, where you can go and get this information um, so that you don't feel like, oh my God, how do I ever do this? Um, so I would definitely go to the reference section on the library, ask the librarian for the guide to literary agents, and the Writer's Digest um, likewise has a guide. And then you can look through there and see. Um, also, you, you probably want to check. It's, um, the initials are AAR. I think it's Agents and Authors Representatives or something like oh, that. Um, okay. That is an um, organization that... Um, has lists of agents who have met an ethical code um, that they must comply with in order to be listed there. So, for example, they can't charge reading fees and other things because, unfortunately, there are are unscrupulous um, agents out there and editors, just as there is in any profession. Uh, um, And AAR um, obviously is a membership that demands certain ethical conduct from its uh, members. Um, And there's another thing called Predators and Editors, um, I think, which will list people who may may have had issues oh. um and so there's a whole list i think that used to be run by the science fiction writers oh. of america oh interesting so you know there, there are ways to find out who's out there and and who not to go to and and definitely aar is a place where you can get a list of um, reputable agents and predators and editors is one where you can see if anybody um you know has behave badly i guess you would say so what do you so what do you um i i it's like i I always feel like it's the last question but i always want to ask more so just hang up on me if i get if i go too far here i'll I'll just ask two two more minutes worth of questions uh because i know i know what's on people's minds so you you said in the past i remember maybe 15 years ago you told me once we were at a writer's conference or something and um you told me once like the money that they put aside sometimes for like um like a lady gaga or a madonna or someone who said they're going to write something they will get that that big advance six figures you know just uh high six figures uh seven figures advance for a book and then the really the, the good writers but with the lesser known and less marketing uh get kind of you know, uh, the scraps kind of, they saved their big bucks for the big names. Is that still, this is 15 years ago, Caridad. So, I mean, has it changed? Do they they honor writing more now? No, it's actually, you know, it's gotten worse. Oh, oh (laughs) um, really? Yeah. Because, you know, there used to be this thing called the midlist writer, which was, you know, kind of like people like me, um, you know, who sold consistently, um, you know, they might have had a breakout book or two that, that sold, you know, in the six figures, six figures, yeah. Um, but, you know, that they were consistent writers. And so, you know, it was those mid authors who they could count on to consistently sell 
you know, 50, 60, you know, 25,000, you know, whatever the number was. Um, and so you sold a lot of books at a certain price point and they made the money to oftentimes, obviously, you know, pay somebody a seven figure deal or a high six figure deal for a book. Um, the problem with, with that is that in today's market, you have this whole digital world of self publishing that's kind of eroded, um, the midlist authors and the money that they were bringing in. Um, so unfortunately, in some situations, you may find that beginning advances um, are actually at the same number or below what they might have been 20 years ago. Oh, my. Uh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's it's something. And, and the, the good thing is, is that you do have self-publishing. It, it takes a lot of work. Um, I think to really be successful and you've really got to know what you're doing to make um, money for a variety of reasons and, and we really don't even have the time because it's just such a complicated aspect of, of publishing. Um, but I think that there are a lot of opportunities in traditional publishing because, you know, books in print um, and books from these publishers still sell um, for a variety of reasons, again, like we discussed that, you know, uh, trade paperbacks and hardcovers are gift items. Right. Um, there are younger people who are reading. Um, they still buy, um, obviously, digital from these publishers, especially because I think more and more people are seeing that a lot of the freebies and 99-cent books maybe aren't that good in some instances um not all uh there's a lot of fine self-publishing out there um but having a the knowledge that a publisher um put down money for a book in some capacity kind of says to people this book has to have something more going for it um because somebody bought it and it was edited by publishing house um and so, you know, it's almost like the publishing houses are being gatekeepers for some of these books. Um, that's not to say you're not going to get a dog from a publishing house. That happens, too. So I don't want people to think that just because it's from a publishing house, it's great. And just because it's self-publishing, it may not be. It yeah. works both ways. But, again, the perception has grown that um, even in digital works from publishing houses that possibly um, they're a little bit better quality um than some self-published works, and again, not all. Um, so I think because of that, um, you know, there are opportunities um, in publishing houses. I think they're still actively looking for good writers who are they're going to sign to contracts. And I know a lot of times they're signing them to multi-book contracts because they don't want to sign them and then lose them right away if somebody thinks that they're going to make um, more money self-publishing. And so it's not unheard of with some publishers where you'll get a 10, some of, if, especially if you're, you've been writing for a while to get a four or five book deal, sometimes a 10 book deal if you're really well known and they want to keep you. So, you know, there's a lot of differences going on now. Um, and, and I think it behooves people to, that's such an old fashioned word, isn't it? Behooves. behooves. <laughs> you're a writer. I'll let it go. <laughs> 
<laughs> I sounded very old then, but no, I'm not. I trust, no. trust me. Um, sounds... I've been watching too many British comedies and British oh, uh, no. mystery shows. Yeah. Um, but it definitely, if you want to be a writer, whether self-published or traditionally published, get out there, go to conferences. If you can't go to conferences, obviously, because of what's happening with COVID, um, look for online workshops. There's lots of... Um, good free ones there's good paid ones like a um, ted talk right. do i have to sit through a ted talk is that what you're telling me no well okay. you know i i do workshops uh, online um for some groups if you have a local group like if you're in the new york new jersey area um we have the Liberty States Fiction Writers, um, which is a group I helped co-found now about a dozen years what? ago, where, um, you know, we do monthly workshops. Now we're doing them via Zoom. Um, you didn't invite me. Bring in people to you, discuss. Sarah, Dad, you didn't invite me. You're always welcome. Thank you. Well, Thank actually, you. I will, once we hang up, I'll, I'm going to. That's fine. Email you about that. You know how bad uh, I am. But we though. do workshops on all different aspects of writing, from building characters to dialogue, um, to marketing, to you know different things. You know how do you um, continue? You know, are there other avenues for you to earn money as a writer? For example, freelancing and things like that. Um, so definitely look for maybe a local group. Um, they could be at your local bookstore. They could be at the library. They're online. Um, so there's lots of avenues for you to, um, you know, to get the information you need to not only get started, but to stay in the business because it's always changing. And so you kind of have to keep up with some of the changes that are happening. What, what, and the best way is to network. When you say self-publishing, I, I, I knew uh, when I asked you about it a long time ago, but now is Amazon, what was it? Was it Amazon? Was that the one who had its own self-publishing well, they, there are a lot of them that have that now. Amazon was obviously the one who kind of first um, came about by having Kindle. Um, they have Kindle Direct Publishing. They also have, um, it's not CreateSpace anymore. They've kind of folded that yeah, into. Yeah, that, um, CreateSpace, I remember that. Yeah, they folded that into the Kindle program, but obviously you can do both digital and print books through them. Um, Barnes and Noble and Kobo both have um, publishing arms where you could self-publish. I love Draft to Digital. Um, draft to Digital. Draft that? to Digital um, is a great way for you to do both um, digital and print. Um, Ingram Spark. We had a delightful um, workshop done by a representative from Ingram Spark. Um, and they are, Ingram is one of the leaders, um, and has been a leader for some time in the publishing industry. And they likewise have uh, a way for you to do, um, both digital and print books and to get those books, um, make them available for um, access at bookstores. That's not to say that they'll automatically put them in the bookstore, but they will go into the catalog so that if somebody comes into the bookstore and asks for your book, it can be ordered. Um, what about so the labeling? What about the, the categories? Because uh, I know that's so important. You have to fit into a category. At a book. That's what you always think about, right? You, you have yeah, to fit do. in or um, you have to be labeled. No one wants to be labeled, but when it comes to books, that's the whole point. 
No, got- you have to know the categories. And to be honest, there's all kinds of games that you can play with the categories so that you end up with that little yellow thing on Amazon that says bestseller. Um, oh. You know, there are some really unusual categories out there. And if you pick the right categories, it could put you in a position where you get noticed more. And that's a whole thing. I mean, that's why I'm saying it's the self-publishing is very complicated and there's all kinds of things for you to learn. Um, even after so many years, I'm still learning. And I think that's key, whether it's with writing or with anything else, is that you never stop learning. Um, you know, it's like that old Woody Allen thing. You know, it's a shark and you got to keep on moving, right? Because, right. you know, if you don't keep on moving, you have a dead shark. Um, and and it, that's the same with, with writing and publishing. You always have to keep abreast of what's happening so that you know what to do to continue to grow your career. What about the marketing? What's been the big deal? What, what, are they, what are they looking for now in marketing? Oh, my gosh. There's so many things you could do. Um, I know. You know, you, there's blogging. There's Facebook ads. There's Amazon ads. There's obviously Instagram. And TikTok is the hot new thing. You got to um, dance for your book to get it, out there? Excuse me? You have to dance. You like you gotta you gotta do a. Oh my gosh! Like, my daughter convinced me to do one of those things. I'm almost embarrassed that I put it up there. You did? Uh, oh my god! Uh, I well, see I didn't it. dance. I did something else. But um, yeah, there's all kinds of things for you to do out there, and you know, there's book talk and there's bookstagram. There's just so many things. But I think when it comes to that, you what? really. Before you do all that, you really got to sit down and think, well, what's my target audience? Who's who's going to be reading this book? Because um, even the different social media things, they have very different demographics. They do. Demographics. They really do. Um, you know, Facebook is trending much older now. You know, we're talking uh, 30 or 40 plus. Ew. Um, for Facebook, whereas Instagram is a younger crowd, and we won't even talk about TikTok because that goes anywhere from, obviously, I think you have to be 13, but from 13 to 90. Um, it's a very different media and, and medium, and how do you how do you interact on that medium for the, the best results? So and that's why I'm saying you really have to um, think about it and keep abreast of things in order to decide what's the best way for you to promote what you're doing. And they still expect a lot of that from you. But do they also help you with the PR? Do they put you on a book tour? Or do they do that kind of no. thing? No. What? No. No? Um, no, a lot of it is, I mean, do they pick some people to put on book tours? Yes. But I think for most authors, it's you, yourself, and and, your, and I, or whatever, me, myself, are, and I. Are you serious? Um, yeah, going out there and, um, you know, deciding what conferences to go to. Wait, 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 wait. That. You, you are a best, a New York Times bestselling author, and they are not putting you in the limo and driving you around the country to go to different bookstores and filling up arenas to nope. read. No, 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 no. Okay. It's not like that. I mean, they make it seem that way on all the movies and yeah. everything, but it's not anything like that at all. Yeah, you know, that. it's very rare uh, for you to go on a book tour. Um, a lot of times, you know, you kind of try to set it up yourself. And I think ultimately you have to ask yourself, you know, what is the best use of your time? Is it doing that? Um I have a tendency to try to go to conferences that are reader-centric, um, where I get to meet readers um, and interact with them and spend time with them, um, in addition to doing at least one or two professional conferences um, a year where I am able to go and meet 
my writing buddies and talk to them and we could put our heads together and see what to do together or separately and what's working and what's not. What are you doing now then? Zooming? Is Zoom the thing to do? Right now, they've been canceled and postponed, yeah. so it's really kind of a bummer. Um, all by yourself. So I, I have signed up for um, ones for, for next year, and we're hoping that they'll go on. Our Liberty States Conference um, is being moved to November, and actually we're getting in... We're in the process of notifying everybody about that because it was originally supposed to go off in... Um, what was it? October of 2020. Oh, um, oh wait, April of 2020. Oh, I take it no. back. And no bueno. you know, obviously that no wasn't bueno. going to happen. No. Um, but now, you know, we've had to push it back to November. Um, so, you know, you've got to watch and see what conferences are still happening. Um, obviously you can do it, uh, do things online, but when it comes to reaching readers, you know, you want to really meet them face to face and be able to chat with them. And I love that. That's one of my favorite parts of being a writer is getting to meet new people and I, just. Are you see? I can't even look at you when I finish reading one of your books. I can't even look at you after those. You're like, funny. You have three steamy scenes per. Is it right? Am I right? Three to five steamy scenes per. No, it depends. It depends. I'm going to shock you. My Hallmark book, nothing happens until they kiss at the very end. What? So, yes. Who are you? South Beach Love, and it comes out in May. Oh, Miami? Um, and it is because it is a Hallmark book. You know, it is very much about the characters. I mean, all the books about the characters, but there is, there is nothing... Um, graphic um or anything like that until they kiss at the very end um yeah and even my um i have a march book coming out from harlequin intrigue called uh, cold case reopened which was a lot of fun to write because i absolutely love um cold case stories and i'm oh my god and rule and rule so good at that have you read the and yeah. books i love yeah, and that, that particular book you know um does have um some scenes um, because, you know, it's a different reader base. Um, but again, one that likes mysteries and things more than, than sexiness. So, you know, that's the other thing as a writer, you have to gauge who you're writing for and adapt the, the book accordingly and adapt what you're doing accordingly. Um, so that's been a fun experience writing two such different books. It, it, well, it's so funny because you always have to write, you've written 50 books and, um, do you have COVID? Are you okay? No, no, I just, uh, no, I'm, I'm a tickle. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I had it, so it's, uh, I, I survived. Uh, not, not fun, though, I'll tell you that much. But um, so, uh, so I remember when you said you had to do those, write the sex scenes, it was like when you were coming on to another one, you're like, oh, no, now I have to come up with a new way to hug, a new way to get under those covers, a new way, like, and poor Sammy, your sweet daughter, how yeah. you know, like reading mom's book, and you've got three new ways to do it every every new book that you have out there. So well, it's funny, yeah, yeah. You know, people think, oh, a sex scene is a sex scene, no. but it's not. You know, because first of all, to me, it's not a sex scene; it's a love making. Yes. Um, and not everybody makes love the same way. You know, every you know everybody's different in how they approach it, and 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 so you know every book you've got different characters, and so you've really got to think about how it happens to make it unique for that character, um, and to make it unique for the readers because otherwise it's just you know 
stick tab A and, and you know, slot B, yeah. um, and it becomes very mechanical, and that's the last thing you want, because this is about romance, and it is about tenderness, and it is about partnership, um, so it's important that you get it right for each and every character that you, you do. Oh, no, and it's so much fun when I'm reading your books, and you get the butterflies in your stomach, because they're, you know, that moment has finally come, and I, it's like, how did she do that? Like, uh, I forgot that I knew you and I'm in there and these characters are about to kiss and she's a vampire and, and my stomach's all churning because I'm so excited <laughs> that they're going to have that moment. And then I think about like uh, what you told me. You had to think of every time you write uh, 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 this, these lovemaking scenes, it has to be new and different. And uh, it, I can only imagine at home, you know, like, honey, grab the ceiling fan, get this glass of water and, you know, blow bubbles into this direction. Uh, well, like, you know, sadly, this is why it's fiction. <laughs> <laughs> well, he just says no. no. <laughs> you know, but no. um, oh, that's funny. Yeah. You know, oh my God, it's like I was, I can't, I can't. I tried. I was like, oh my God, I just, um, I, I couldn't do it. But um, so, so that is the hope, is the goal to have um to be on the Hallmark Channel, like so. Uh, well, you did Jane, which is exciting. You had a character- it is. Um, yeah, I mean, the book that I wrote for them is, um, you know, a different book. It, it, it is diverse characters in that um, it's actually an Anglo woman who's a chef and uh, a Cubanito, a, a Cuban chef, who's oh, come, no. home, come home to Miami and um, they get caught up in this competition um unknowingly they both agree to help out their nieces for their big quinceanera parties um and uh, and again they don't realize that they're going to be in competition to be featured in a magazine um so they're both out to um make the best quinceanera meal ever um after they've already started falling in love. And so it becomes quite complicated. But what I loved about it was obviously sharing, you know, the quinceanera tradition, which is one that comes and goes depending on the the culture. But um, I know it was a very important thing for my daughter to have one. She really, really wanted it. And we went all out and had, um, you know, the quinceanera with all the different steps and uh, the shoes and all the other things that you do. And we had a blast and people loved it because it was such a unique tradition that they were unaware of up here in our part of New Jersey. Um, And it's also fun for me. I love to cook. And so, you know, dreaming up the meals that these two chefs were creating as they tried to outdo each other was just a heck of a lot of fun. Um, And not to mention the romance. Um, You know, so there are a lot of, you know, kind of fun elements woven into that story. And um, I hope people will really like it. And I hope that, you know, the producers at at Hallmark will think, oh, you know, this is a fun story. um, And it'll be um, really something different to bring to life by doing a movie with it. How long does it take you to write a book? It depends. Um, Depends on the length of the book, but I'm going to say anywhere from the fastest I've ever written one is in a month. Um, but my usual process is anywhere from two to six months, depending on the length of the book. Okay, that sounds normal. I thought you were going to say a week, and then... No, that's impossible. So you're Wonder Woman again. And then... No, yeah. Yeah, as it is, we I, we wrote the Jane book, and I say we because it really was an effort between myself, my editor, and the um, 
the showrunners, um, we did that book in, in a month, and it was it was difficult. It was sitting my butt in that chair almost six or seven hours a day and taking time off from work, and um, you know, and so it was really uh, just a you know a, a lot of work in a very short period of time. Got showrunners, that's so brand new. That's so new. I've never heard you. You know. In the movie world, in the TV world. Yeah. So is that so, you're so cool. So, look at me, yeah. <laughs> so It is way uh, too complicated. So when people get mad at me for just kind of glossing over what needs to be done, they really, they really need to do their homework because it's a complicated world. And there's no way I could teach anyone in 10 minutes to understand this world. Um, no, not really. Um, I'm trying to think. I think I did... A workshop for you know if I, I, I well I'll look and see if one of the workshops I did was recorded on that um, and send you the link um, so you could share it but if not um, I'm always welcome to you know to hear from people um, but you know it's some aspects of it in terms of being traditionally published hasn't really changed you know you find out who's the best publisher um, you find out whether or not they take submissions from people directly or whether you have to have an agent um, I think the single most important thing is do your homework, um, decide what you want to write. I mean, if you want to be a literary writer, that's a whole different bag of tricks. If you want to be a commercial fiction writer, go out there and, and read and read and read what it is that you think you want to write so that you, um, have an idea of how to craft a book. Um, you know, I was a science major, not English lit like what? you. And, you know, I was just a storyteller. And um, I learned how to write in, in terms of, you know, how to structure the book and everything by just reading and, and doing my homework. And um, and I always tell people that, you know, you can learn how to do this. Um, but the important thing is, is you've got a good story in your head that you want to tell. Um, that's something almost that you can't teach yourself. You just have to have it inside you. Wow, a science major. That's incredible. Um, and so, if I what what do you, what can you give a what can you give away uh, to a listener or someone? I think it would be so much fun. It's so much fun to get a book from you and your autograph because um, it's so, your books are so special. I just love your writing. What which one um, can you spare? Like for a wow, listener? that's interesting. I don't know. You know, I, I, it's a lot of fun. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll now just not gonna give you one. I'm gonna give you three. I'll give you my at the shore series. Okay. Um, which begins with one summer night, and what happens in summer is the second one, and never a bride is the third one, and they're all set on the Jersey Shore. Um. And they're just fun stories about three women who have just reached that point in their lives where everybody started to get married and they ask themselves, WTF, right. what am I going to do? Right. So, yeah. Okay. So wait, but is three in the series? Are you going to get three different books from a different, because the, the bride's one is the third one. So I have to Never first... bride is the third one. Yeah. So okay. I'll, I'll give you one of each. I'll give you books one, two, and three. How's that? One, two, and three. And then, okay. Okay. So then we'll have three giveaways and then um, I'll, I'll buy those from you, but you have to sign them. Um, I will. I'll put those out. If you show me the covers, that'll be great. I could put them up and people could actually see what uh what you're um describing the, the covers are so beautiful they're so pretty they are. They, 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 those are the the first two are from source books and they have just done an absolutely beautiful job with them oh my god isn't that fun to see those covers and then when you smell your pages you smell them don't you when... <laughs> no i don't think i ever did that <laughs> what 
Yeah. You don't open but up a book? It is exciting to see the cover when it comes out, you know? Oh, now I'm a little embarrassed. Every, every time I get a Catalina <laughs> magazine, I open it up and I smell it. Okay. I, yeah, that's for another time, right? Uh, okay, okay, so then where's your following? Where where do people follow you right now? Where, Instagram or? Um, well, they can go to the website, um, which is caridad.com. Okay. Oh. And, um, you know, I've got links to all my different um, social media sites there because I'm pretty much everywhere except TikTok for right now. Well, we're going to get you on those challenges. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, no, seriously. Uh, it's Caridad. Wow, you're like um, Shakira. Just one name. Caridad. Just one name. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, well, I'm so excited for your book. And now I'm like, uh, I'm really self-conscious because I, I turned in the book to the agent. And it's sitting at a publishing house, and now, now I'm nervous. God, yeah, and this was a one that I wanted for a long, long time, and I have to thank Donald Trump for making DC interesting. Uh-huh. No one would have cared. I guess. No, ten years ago, no one cared about DC. So, gotta love that guy. You do. No, you know, when it comes to my book, yes, I, I, I love him very much. Okay, so caridad.com, and um, if they want to know more, they got to buy, buy the rights. They got to buy the book. They got to, um, so that's it. That's where we find you. Well, yes. thank you. Yeah, and like I said, I, I, I've written a whole bunch of things, so no matter whether you like uh, suspense, vampires, or just uh, nice beach reads, I've got the whole thing for you right there. Yeah, no, and I don't even. I'm not even going to begin to ask. And Sam, so Sammy's on her second book. Is she almost done? Um, well, she's releasing. She's serializing it on that website, uh, KoreanFromContext.com. Okay. Dot com, and um, you know, you can find out more about that, and also see her portfolio of some of the uh, photos she's done at the K-pop concerts and and the like. So, I'm very proud of my little munchkin. But that's really interesting. How different you guys are. In your, in your writing, in your genres, right? What, how yeah, you... well, you know, the, the first one was kind of a romance. This one is definitely, you know, still in that romance. So, um, she, like I said, she didn't fall far from the tree that way. Yeah, she told me she hadn't read your books. I remember first asking her. She didn't want no, to. No, she hasn't. She hasn't. She still hasn't? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I can't look at you at all. I can't. No, maybe you can shame her into reading one. I can't. I can't make eye contact with you. This is the best situation right now over the phone with you. I can't look at oh, you. Oh, that's funny. Actually, you know, she could read the Hallmark one, which doesn't have anything. Um, it's a very sweet, engaging, emotional story, but um, it doesn't have anything else that's graphic. Well, maybe in it. that's what I'll do then. I'll, I'll stick to those. You got to let me know because I want to look at you again one day. Your beautiful <laughs> okay. hazel eyes. Thank you so much. You're the well, you're you. the best, and people have so many questions. You answered every single one. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank no. you for thinking of me, and I hope we get to see each other soon. If I head down to Miami, from God's mouth to uh, yeah, from my, or your mouth to His ears, that they make my uh, South Beach love into a uh, movie. I'm hoping they'll film it down there, and I'll come visit. Oh my God! Can you get Maluma to start it? Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know who they'll pick if they do it. Okay. But, uh, it would be really an exciting thing to happen. I'm going to start making requests <laughs> of the men okay. I want. Okay. Uh, yeah, to show that to your people, okay? All <laughs> right. <laughs> You're going to go right on that. Thank you, Caridad. All right, you take Besitos. care. Bye-bye. Love you. Thank you. Bye. Oh, my gosh. So if you have any more questions about books, um, Okay, that is the one to ask, but I, I took lots and lots of notes, so I'll be sure to write them down 
um, on it's self-publishing, the traditional route, hybrid publishing, um, so many ways to go, so many conferences. Um, but thank you for listening today. And uh, so this goes out to everyone out there who I've met who has uh, these great ideas and you want to get your books published. And um, hopefully my second one will be coming right out. And if you want to write fiction, I recommend her books. They're really great. She's like the Stephen King of romance. Uh, no one dies. They just have a really good time. Okay, so find us at uh, CatalinaMag.com and uh, buy the new issue of Catalina Magazine and uh, listen to Catalina Stars and Catalina Conversaciones. And I'll see you soon on TV and all over the place. And go to Press Reader. Don't forget. Okay.